Episode 14, Cineboys to Cinemen. Hello. Hi there. Hope you're well, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. This week is... Uh, that The film, the title of that. The film, film that we what's the film? Uh, One Fine Morning. One Fine Morning, yes. <laughs> One Fine it's really Morning. It's a really difficult title to remember, I don't know why. It's weird, like with a lot of... Yeah. And this is in no way a detriment to any of Mia Hansen Love's films, because I've been sort of getting into them quite a lot Yeah. after watching One Fine Morning, but... Like they all have titles that are quite forgettable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and right. I, I don't know why that is. I, again, no reflection of her work at all because it's so far fantastic. Yeah. As is the film to which we will discuss. Mm. Uh, One fine morning. Said three times in the opening already. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> a really fascinating and deeply sort of moving experience. I yeah, think. yeah, definitely. Tried yeah. to say that, but uh, and I'm going to go even triter and say that it actually kept me up quite a lot uh, of, right. of the night of watching it because again we saw it together yes we did yes. um very yeah very good very yeah quite not not upsetting but very like yeah rousing emotionally rousing i guess you could say yeah yeah it, it sort of addresses a lot of the questions that dog a lot of our lives i think in a very sort of subdued mm. uh and sort of sentimental way yeah, yeah. um which left a, quite an impact on me mm, yeah. as the film focuses on life love death and human messiness we felt it best to explore films that deal with similar themes and ideas yeah yeah perhaps more explicitly or overtly than mm. uh, one fine morning as it sort of deals with all of those yeah but um you know we're going to give you the uh, deep insight that you've come to know yes from cinema boys to cinema oh yeah yeah Lovely. cinema and boys at yes. what age do you stop being a boy i d- i think it depends Depends on what sort of circle you're in, because you know, yeah. as soon as you start work, like you could start working at 16, you're kind of a man then. But then in another context, at home, you're very much still a boy. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, when, it, when, when are boys? So, that, so there's no boys here. There's no boys. There's here. no boys. Yeah. There's no boys here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it would be. Uh, I guess 18. I'm going to go with the classic. The 18. The uh, as soon as you can legally buy a pint. You're, no, you're a man. You're a man. Put hair yeah. on your chest. Yeah. Pint of Boddington's. Yeah. Pint of bloody uh, Cinzano. <laughs> yeah. Right. Questing the cinematic void. All right then. So, life, love, death, and human messiness. Mm. Uh, me and Ben have uh, picked a couple of films each. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to fire them your way. Indeed, yeah. And you can start with the firing, big Ooh, boy. Oh, all right then. Um, I wanted to talk about a film came out in 2017. Francis Lee directed it. He went on to do Ammonite, I think, with Kate Winslet and Sasha Ronan. Oh, yeah. uh, it was his debut. It's called God's Own Country. Okay. I think I've discussed it with you before. Yes. Uh, it's fun- do you know, I, uh, yeah. just beforehand, I actually haven't seen this film. So. Yeah, no, no, cool. It was on Netflix for a while, wasn't it? Is yeah. it still on Netflix? Uh, I think it's in and out. It depends okay. on the like licensing and all that kind okay. of stuff. But um, yeah, God's Own Country. It's, it's primarily about this chap, uh, Johnny, who works on his family farm in Yorkshire. Okay. Um, he's sort of massively overworked due to his family, primarily his father, experiencing like a bit of a decline in health. So he sort of views this absolutely beautiful landscape. I mean, you're kind of hail from that part of the world. So in well, this is Yorkshire, I know you're sort of more kind of a Derby man, but um, <laughs> so it's an incredible landscape. But he's, yeah. he sort of sees it as something brutal and kind of unrelenting a bit grueling because of the way he kind of works on the land Mm, mm. uh it's touched on if i remember correctly that his parents are not aware that he's uh homosexual uh so that obviously sort of doesn't help their already strained relationship because he's 
you know, his work on this farm is just so, so kind of directionless right. that he, he sort of, by default, sort of resents his family, particularly his dad. Okay. Uh, he sort of drinks heavily. His attitude towards sort of romantic relationships is pretty kind of hypersexualized. Okay. And um, then his family employ a Romanian farmhand, Gorge, and um, Johnny's sort of cold, unfriendly, kind of bitter demeanor starts to sort of crack slightly as he, uh, he basically falls in love, or kind of his version of it anyway. He's still kind of the man that he always was, like very uh, kind of straight-talking, no-nonsense type type guy. But um, yeah, uh, Gorge starts to sort of gradually transform his worldview into something much more positive, to sort of see the land he owns as sort of a, an asset, into something to be admired, you know, admired for its visual splendor and also the way it can sort of ultimately give back to you and and provide you with like an honest living so although the film is primarily concerned with their relationship uh there's a thread surrounding uh, johnny's dad as well who's clearly inherited johnny sort of clearly clearly inherited a lot of this bitterness and um okay. he sort of inherited it from his dad and then his dad has a, a, another stroke he's had a stroke in the past and he has another one and then so there's from there there's some very sort of tense but superbly crafted scenes that sort of surrounds the impending inheritance of this farm. You can see that whilst Gorge, who's only going to be around for one lambing season, is content with the work because it's temporary for him. You know, Johnny has no access to any kind of free-spirited nature, which is what sort of softened him to Gorge in the first place. And mm. I don't know, I just think it's a really great narrative uh, device when when done well this kind of idea of like a blossoming romance with an inevitable end you know I'm thinking like call me by your name or like before sunrise you know okay. the, the idea that these two lovers that there's definitely like a, a cut off point which mm. is looming and I think that's when it can be done in a really dreadful way but yeah. when done right it really gets you emotionally invested in the film mm. So yeah, there's that narrative device there, but in God's Own Country, there's it's sort of interwoven with this like carry on the family business and by extension the family legacy at the expense of your own happiness. That kind okay. of theme yeah. going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought you know it'd be interesting to bring it up in the context of One Fine Morning, which deals with the legacy of a sort of sick and dying relative, also perhaps in a much less weather beaten fashion. But, you know, the idea of the child carrying the burden of a loved one, the burden in this case sort of being a fast-fading, like, work ethic. I don't know this. I always thought they were quite similar. Um, yeah, okay. It sounds yeah. it. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's a really good film. Uh, check yeah. it out. It's uh, it's a bit... The poster makes it look a, look a bit sort of bath debate Yeah, you know I, I mean? did remember thinking that. <laughs> yeah. It's straight, yeah. It's, again, one of those films that you think, oh, I'd, like, I'd want to watch that. And mm. it just, you just never find yourself watching it for whatever reason. Yeah, I think it, the marketing material really doesn't help its cause. <laughs> okay. Uh, it just looks, it looks like a debut. But actually, it's really impressive. I thought... Um, quite hard watch it at times but quite emotional but um yeah it's got it got a lot going for it i thought mm, okay Good stuff yeah you know i really like that it's a really interesting sort of analysis of the film i particularly like the idea of love awakening a sense of optimism about the sort of lot you've been given yes yeah um ties in <clears throat> quite interestingly with the discussion around the beasts last week mm. we talked about this idea of the land in, to my mind looking beautiful i mean the spanish rural landscape look beautiful but yeah, yeah to its inhabitants who have 
inherited this hard, difficult, often very much forgotten and maligned way of life mm. is actually quite an oppressive landscape. So yeah. the idea that your view can be, you know, the way you superimpose your own sort of history and pressures and anxieties onto a landscape. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as a result can have a really alter your relationship with something that mm. can be quite special. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, which I think, yeah, so I've, I've not considered that. Um, and it sort of makes me more interested to watch the film. I also like the idea of the burdensome nature of tradition and family. Yes. Which is a, I think you're right to sort of say in One Fine Morning it's it's present, but I don't think it's as oppressive as it sounds like it is in this film. Oh, no way. No, it's a lot more, I think the relationship in One Fine Morning is by by and large a lot more stable and, mm. and the only reason there's not a lot of optimism is because of unfortunate medical circumstances. Yeah. In this one, it's a lot more... The, the family itself is deep deeply rooted in tradition as a lot of farming families naturally yeah. are yeah 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 and it just it just the way it portrays that's really fascinating and the way it influences like his relationship over this you know blossoming romance but you know in 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 the context of him and who he is and where he comes from it's really difficult for him to reconcile the two um oh, okay. it's cool man there's a really great weird little scene in it um where they both just are just eating pasta and uh, it's really simple. Like uh, Gorge just hands him some salt. He's like, "Put some salt on it. It'll taste nicer." And it's that 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 just sort of encapsulates the whole theme of the film. It's like you know, just flavor stuff up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it really doesn't, it doesn't have to be the same old shit necessarily. Yeah, exactly. But it's, you know, it, sometimes you need other people to point that out. Mm, and in some yeah. cases, you you might not even be able to be able to stay. Yes, yeah. But, I mean, in his case, he probably has to. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> by the sounds of it, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it it doesn't give any sort of I won't spoil anything but it doesn't give any definitive answers in that respect but oh, there's okay. there's an occurrence that happens at the end which it, it does sort of tie everything up in a nice little bow oh, uh, okay. which is unusual for a uh, independent kind of first time film that I think there's and um, we've talked about this in the past an over reliance on ambiguity and mm. it's not really present in this uh, that was a nice like pleasant uh. Pleasant surprise. Yeah. yeah, give give it a go, man. If you if you get a chance, it's good, mm. it's good yeah, movie. absolutely. You've you've um, encouraged me to bump it up the watch list. <laughs> oh yes, so, which is always a good thing. Yeah, I wanted to talk about. So I'm going to move slightly far away. We're still focusing around the idea of, of mortality mm. or wrestling with one's mortality and having an impact on the way you perceive your relationships mm. or perceive the world around you. I want to talk about a more. Oh right, yeah, okay. Uh, have you see, you seen it more? Yeah, I have. Yeah, just the once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a, Michael Haneke is often criticised as a filmmaker for having so much of a clinical view on things. Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of his films are sort of clinical experiments about the nature that audiences interact with violence mm. uh, and other unsettling imagery, and there's yeah. a distance to that which. I can sort of understand why people would certainly think there's a I mean, yeah. there's a sort of coldness to the way he approaches these themes and ideas. Yeah, he's a filmmaker that likes to manipulate his audiences, play with expectations, and mm. make you as a film watcher feel like a like a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for indulging violence and other aspects of troubling <laughs> what he considers troubling in movies. But he's nonetheless, despite his his caustic and sort of incendiary approach to filmmaking and the way he discusses films outside of that, is clearly a you know, a huge uh, influence on many different filmmakers, and indeed, you know, the creator of many great films. What sets a more apart for me is there's a real sensitivity in this film, which yeah. I think separates it from his other films. I think there's a couple of films that definitely have that, but you know, this is a real sort of upfront and at least initially a really sort of lovely presentation of yeah. an elderly couple's relationship. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, 
but he doesn't shy away from that from the difficulty and mm. then obviously the, the central difficulty of the film being that his wife has a stroke yeah so this old gentleman has now got to look after his wife and um tend to her and try and sort of bring her out of the sort of yeah. i guess the post-stroke yeah condition i mean i don't know what there's obviously a technical medical term that i'm not aware of but it's for me it's sort of like a story about the the dedication needed to maintain long-term love and the situation that befalls him almost strengthens that resolve mm. to dedicate himself to her as the, as they have done. Mm. But now it's not just a mutual loving relationship now. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, she's in a situation where she needs him. She relies on him yep. just for survival. Yeah, yeah And that exactly. really pushes, I think, the ideas about relationships to their very limits. Mm. And it's, yeah. it, it's incredibly a sweet at points still, but it's a really devastating film, isn't it? Oh, I man, think. yeah. Really, like... He does siphon that kind of almost trademark grimness that you saw in like <laughs> yeah. things like Funny Games. Like, that's a hard one. Benny's man. video. Yeah, you know, yeah. They're, they're kind of really uncompromising. But yeah, you're right. Amour has a really nice, deft, sort of sweet touch. I'm not sure if it was personal, based on personal experience. Oh, yeah. Maybe his parents yeah. or something. I'm not sure. Um, I didn't do the research on that one. No, nope, um... me neither. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're right. It, 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 From what I remember of it, it's just got a nice just a nice touch to, to to kind of illustrate why people continue to care for loved ones after you know effectively there there is no real hope mm. for them recovering and i think that's the, the general tone of the film is like after a, you know after a stroke of that age you you know the focus isn't going to be necessarily on recovery it's just going to be maintenance of a quality of life mm. and i think that's all mm. you can do and the way that film kind of portrays that and how he grapples with that what they said in their marriage vows right like <laughs> sickness yeah. and in health this is the sickness part yeah um and yeah it's just uh yeah i do remember really finding that quite quite baffling in a michael hanneke film yeah um, yeah really good yeah yeah great and I, I think it's um the idea about the dedication that's needed and i think you know your what, what drives that dedication is how thankful he is to reflect on the sort of last, I don't know, like 60, 70 years of their, of their relationship. Yeah, and that yeah. sort of drives his, mm. obviously, he's, you know, human decency plays a part in that. But yeah, I think, yeah. you know, the idea that, you know, you, you've got to this point now where this is sort of an inevitability. Mm, you, yeah. know, you can't avoid, you know, these things happening to you at this point. At some point, death in its many forms will eventually yeah. <laughs> come for you. And I think what drives his dedication to her is is that sort of the life they've spent together is yeah. always in the in the back of his mind. Yeah, yeah. The memories mm. are, are what's doing it. It's not any, it's not him looking forward to anything. It's looking him looking back. I guess. And that's kind of like a sad thing as well as 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 it's sort of like mm. a as it is for sort of generating the sweet and tender moments in the movie. Yeah. It's quite sad as well that mm. you know he's wrestling with the, with the knowledge that. As you say, he's sort of maintaining this quality of life for her as best he can, knowing that he's never going to have that person back. So it's yeah, yeah, not an easy watch. Christ, no. Um, <laughs> not because, as we said, Hanukkah's typically sort of incendiary and uh, difficult way that he constructs his films and the themes that he wrestles with usually. Um, but just a difficult watch for the reasons mentioned already, the wrestling yeah. with mortality and, and um, something that we all have to address at some point in our lives, if not for ourselves and then the people we love. Yeah, yeah. I think the, yeah, what sets him more apart from his other work is like with funny games, there's no happiness in funny games. No, it is a 
fucking oof. Yeah, there it's, is. It's just oof. uncompromising. Stark and horrible. Yeah. but Brilliant. We, yeah, yeah. But, you know. I think in this one, he, he still, he, he kind of takes, the, the the kind of grimness of it comes from a place of happiness. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact yeah. that it might no longer be there, but at the same time, it, you know, he's acknowledging that it was there at some point. Mm, um, mm. Yeah, it's just a... Yeah. Interesting. Maybe need to watch that again. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely worth a go. It yeah. just you prepare yourself for an emotional assault. Yeah, yeah. It is one right of those mood. movies, mm. and it does it brilliantly as well. Again, mm. like you said with um, uh, God's Own Country, there's plenty of potential for fuck ups in those kinds of movies. Yeah, and obviously, yeah. someone like Haneke, you don't expect him to, to to fall to type or to bow to the conventions of mainstream no. narrative devices, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, even still, it's a yeah, lovely mm. and deeply affecting movie that I would recommend anyone watch. Definitely, yeah. Right, I will mention another film now, which I watched. I, it was like the one week where I got movie. <laughs> it was like oh, yeah. a week-long yeah. trial or something, oh, and yeah, I like, yeah. got really into it. And then the tenor came out of my account, I was like, oh no, I'm... I think it was like the wrong month. Uh, but I yeah. managed to squeeze in a couple of films, one of them being uh, Tony Erdman, yeah. which you have seen. I you? have yeah, seen, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, this one, I think it's German or Austrian? I think it's German, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's more about, and I think One Fine Morning touches on this as well, it's more about almost kind of unreciprocated, unconditional love from a parent to their child, I guess. So you have a a career-focused main character, uh, Inez, I think her name is, um, who's a sort of a blackberry-wielding, very focused, but very cold. Uh, Oddly similar to Johnny in God's Own Country, but without that kind of his destructive traits. And her predicament is kind of a web of her own making, I guess, um, that she's sort of stuck in. And uh, as a result of this, she sort of large, she largely ignores her own father, or doesn't express any real sort of warmth or, or love towards him, at least not initially. Um, and they drifted apart. But one day, he all of a sudden, out of the blue, it seems, attempts uh, reconciliation. And uh, his behaviour is largely that of a pest, <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he exhibits a lot of sort of irritating traits, you know, like playfulness at awkward or inconvenient times, yeah, that yeah. sort of thing. And, um, uh, you know, as this behaviour sort of strains their relationship further, he <laughs> infiltrates her life in a really weird kind of, like a weird disguise, uh, who's the titular Tony Erdman. Yeah, uh, known to his daughter and, and her colleagues, uh, who he kind of gets to know as well in the guise of this uh, almost sort of Mrs. Doubtfire style. Oh, yes, yeah, like, it's coming back to me now, yes, I remember. Yeah, Does he have the yeah. fake teeth? Yeah, yeah, yeah the glasses. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. really shit, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. people buy into it for some reason. It's, yeah. got, it's got a very comical edge, this film. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this one sort of ambushes you, though, uh, I think, because it's it's you know, yeah, largely a comedy about like an unhinged man pestering his daughter, but... I don't know. Underneath, I always thought it was hiding something really special and quite timeless about like the complex nature of the father-daughter relationship. Yeah, you really get the sense that you know this woman's dad, who whilst his own life in general is a little bit grey and ordinary, I think he's like a, a retired music teacher or something and divorced. But um, you get the sense that he's really proud of her by the end. And yeah, it's uh, it's almost the reverse of what happens in One Fine Morning in a sense because. In that film, uh, minor spoilers, but and we'll talk about this more later on. But due to the sort of rather common but brutal circumstances, the relationship becomes less about love for love's sake and more about the 
love that centers around responsibility and care again like what you were saying with mm. a more mm. um and it's sort of reciprocated less and less over time as opposed to what happens in tony urban which there's kind of a they sort of meet in the middle at the end there's <laughs> yeah. really nice warm still very bizarre moment yeah yeah, but, yeah. um really nice and quite warm and yeah again it um creeps up on you that like that feeling which yeah. which is yeah i just thought it was worth a mention that one it's quite disarming isn't it because the tone yeah. of the film is mm. sort of very bizarre yes yeah. and you're right i never thought about that sort of idea that uh he reverts to this sort of like playful but it's sort of infuriatingly playful nature yeah it's almost yeah. like he thinks if i can just like win her over with a laugh then yeah. i've done it yeah exactly. which i think is quite a common trait for people that are looking to reconnect to try and use that sort of like yeah you sort yeah. of have to earn that right to have those kind of jokes with each other i think yeah particularly with you know after, after, if you've been separate for a long time yeah and the idea you just walk in and do it <laughs> yeah yeah crack it, a joke it does it? make for some brilliantly awkward and hilarious moments in the film mm, yeah um just a <laughs> it's german austrian i double checked oh so, right okay there go. yeah nice you were you were right all along oh lovely um yeah, but, you know, good yeah. film. Really yeah. like it, and it's been a while since I've thought about it. Again, I think I watched it on Movie Two, probably mm. around the same time. Yeah, um, I caught a couple of films on Movie. I think I, I think I watched three in all in all. One was like a Romanian werewolf film. Oh, uh, one I can't remember the title of this one. It was really good. Uh, it had a stag in it. I remember there was a stag in the snow, and large portions of the film were set in an abattoir. Unfortunately, that's all I can remember. It's oh. kind of annoying because it was a really good film. I can't even remember the title. But um, yeah, Antonio Erdman, I think it should still be on movie. Uh, give it a go uh, if you haven't already. It's quite a long run time, but it's, I think, a film that um, earns it. Yeah. It really sort of gets under the skin of the ideas that you've just talked about with that runtime. Mm. The runtime complements this idea of all of the sort of awkward, misguided attempts for reconciliation. Yeah. And the difficulties that he has in his life. And I, I remember feeling really sorry for him. Yeah. Even yeah. though, like, he's someone that clearly, you know, is no angel and is obviously mm. there's a reason why they've drifted apart. Yeah. Um, you know, you just feel sorry for him because his attempts, despite being ridiculous, are, are genuine. Yeah, exactly. And, and you can't fault that. Really. No. But she, I mean, she finds fault in it like, yeah. initially, which perhaps deservedly so. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's also, like I said, she's a real uh, workaholic, and um, uh, she's got a lot of flaws as well. Yeah, which yeah, yeah, which she refuses to acknowledge, and and yet he he kind of is by attempting to reconcile with her, is kind of acknowledging his flaws. Maybe not all of them, no. <laughs> but definitely, you know, m- m- mistakes he's made in his past. Uh, although I think they're only ever touched upon. Yeah, I didn't think about the humor, the way that he uses mm. humor to attempt to do that. I think we've all done that. Like, if yeah. we say something, we thought, "Oh Christ, maybe I shouldn't." You, know, you kind of laugh yeah, and attempt yeah. to sort of laugh it off and yeah, yeah. Uh, paper over the <laughs> yeah, steaming yeah. pile of shit that you've kind of just <laughs> just created. Um, and yeah, yeah, great, great little movie. It's this sort of idea, isn't it? I think, and I think this film does it particularly well. When you're the sort of recipient of someone's anger and frustration, you crave nuance from that person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and when you're the person, the arbiter of that anger and frustration, you don't want that nuance because if you if you have you know if you give them that, then you start to accept them as human beings and accept that flaws yeah. are inherent with, within them. Yeah, yeah. And the behaviours as a result of that flaws may be forgivable. If you're really angry and um, and you find it really difficult to reconcile with that anger, then you don't want to do that. And no, I think the way yeah. the film plays with that is really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. It's a really good choice, man. Like, I, oh. I, It's one of those films that I really enjoyed at the time, but it sort of just left my mind completely. Oh, uh, okay. So yeah. talking about it, it's brought it back. Nice. It's nice to be reminded of it. <laughs> cool. But again, worth a go. 
Yeah. Don't be put off by the runtime. No, don't actually. Yeah. I'm going to go for something slightly different. I think this is a film that has a real. I mean, this is, you know, I think this is quite a common thing for a film film person or film person film yeah. fan to say. But this is a film that really is just one of my absolute all time favourites. Um, Punch Drunk Love. Oh yeah, yeah. I think the reason why. I mean, it seems like a bit of a stretch away from Mia Hansen Love mm. and One Fine Morning and some other films, which I'll talk about a little bit later on. But I think um, what I love so much about Punch Drunk Love is this idea that love is deserved. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not sort of given to you by pity or chance. Yeah. You know, you deserve to be loved and everyone deserves to be loved. And it's a really trite thing when you you say it in that in that context because you just you sort of frame it in the ideas of like really naff romance films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like Nook Punch Drunk Love, what it does so well is it really sort of wallows in the mire of a particular individual's situation and circumstances. Yeah, yeah. Their sort of hopes and dreams, their failures and flaws. The mm. difficult familial relationships, the loneliness, yeah. the inability to connect with anything. Mm. And just finding that love just drags him immediately out of the mire. Yeah. And sort of gives him the strength to mm. deal with the difficulties that he that have sort of enveloped him his whole life. Yeah, yeah. The character of the lead character of course is played by Adam Sandler, which was a I think a career defining performance. Oh man, yeah. And made the whole world stand up and take notice of Adam Sandler as a as a phenomenal actor. Mm, yeah. I mean, I still get angry when people don't acknowledge that. Oh, yeah, him. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I genuinely, because I, I think you're the same as me and many people of our generation. We have such reverence for him for the silly comedies, you yeah. know, the Happy Gilmores, yeah. the Waterboys, which I'll always hold dear in my heart. Yeah. But this is like the first film that really showed the world what he could do. Yeah. And yeah. interestingly, Paul Thomas Anderson knew that and he mm. almost constructs a character that is quite almost identical to these <laughs> characters in his comedies oh yeah yeah all of these sort of you know the um, the emotional vulnerability mm. the sort of uh, and the behavior as a result of that the, yeah. you know which typically is comic comically deployed yes like the violent outbursts <laughs> oh yeah. man yeah completely um but in this film he gives it real emotional depth and emotional weight mm. like the scene when he sort of trashes up the bathroom oh God, and he, and he, yeah. you know, and, he, and then he smashes up the window after that discussion with his yes, sisters. Yes, sisters, yeah. Like, that's not funny. No, Christ. They're not funny at all. Absolutely it's it's really heartbreaking. And mm. the way that Paul Thomas Anderson takes all of these tropes that we, I think all of us would have attributed to Adam Sandler before he came to this film <laughs> yeah, or this yeah. role and just dials them up to 11 in a way that really has, I don't know, there's something about his face as well. <laughs> that just, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's fascinating. I mean, and there's another aside. He would, I think he, was it Magnolia he'd just finished before Punch Drunk Love? Yes, that was his previous and, film. Uh, and on the press run for that, everyone was like, oh, Magnolia, Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, yeah. you, you're a genius. <laughs> what next for the genius? And he yeah, said, yeah. Paul, uh, uh, an Adam Sandler film. And they all laughed at him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the idea that <laughs> those same people that laughed at him were probably waxing lyrical about Punch Drunk Love and the next press release for another film. I don't know, just yeah. satis- because we, there's no satisfaction to that. Completely, man. Oh, but, and, um, uh, I, what a film, right? Oh, completely. Yeah, I love that film so much. I think you're totally right about the uh, the extraction of the typical Adam Sandler character and plonking him in a, effectively to the real world. <laughs> Whereas in his comedies, in like things like Big Daddy, he, he's kind of a part of that slapstick world. In this, he's just isolated. Mm. Um and then yeah, like I always remember the bit where he smashes the windows always because yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. horrifying. Yeah, and you, you, there's kind of a moment where you're like, should I be following this guy around? And then you very quickly warm to him again and realise that it's a circumstance and his sort of 
insufferable sisters mm. <laughs> who have done who kind of incited this in him well, and they've worn him yeah. down haven't they i mean oh, man, uh, yeah. most of his relationships seem to be people that have either have worn him down yeah particularly his familial ones there's that really yeah. quite horribly sad but hilarious scene where he starts talking to one of his husband's partners about seeing someone about his depression oh yeah and he's like yeah. i'm a dentist yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it's just yeah. really funny like yeah. but I, I think that's interesting the idea that you, you said about taking him out of that sort of wacky world mm. and then plonking him in the real world. Yeah. This is, again, a really a big stretch, but mm. uh, it reminds me of the Frank Grimes episode of The Simpsons. Yes, You know, yeah, the whole point yeah. is that Frank Grimes is a real human being yeah. in the world of The Simpsons, and he's driven insane by it. <laughs> yeah. And I just think there's interesting parallels there, this idea that Adam Sandler's character in Punch Drunk Love is just driven insane by the, the real quiet horror of... Yes. The, of, of of life that yeah. can envelop you if you let it mm, or yeah. perhaps sometimes you're not even aware of it i think no you know you can just be someone that's a bit more susceptible to that depending on your your mental state or, yeah. or experience or but the way he is liberated from that by the, the love is honestly the scene where spoilers you haven't seen it but him and uh, his love interest meet in hawaii, hawaii yeah. and it's that shot and they run together and it's yeah. all silhouetted against the, the backdrop of Hawaii through the windows. It honestly yeah. has me in tears every single time. Oh, and, I, and I just think it's lovely. And yeah. it matches so well with the idea that love is deserved and mm. it absolutely is Completely. not trite. And it's it's just absolutely lovely. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'd, um, I feel like that is... The, his relationship with Emily Watson's character, who in her herself is fantastic in this yes, film as well. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why she's so good because you really believe in that character and you really believe that she's part of this world that previously he's battling against. Mm. And then all of a sudden she comes into his life and, like you say, he's made stronger by it. There's literally that line in it where he's like, I've got a love in my life and it's make, it makes me stronger than anything you can ever imagine. Yeah, he's talking yeah. to Philip Seymour Hoffman, isn't oh, he? Oh, he's also fantastic yeah, in it. Brilliant, yeah. 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 A lot of, Paul Thomas Anderson's got a thing about mattresses. Yeah. Have you seen Licorice Pizza? Obviously. Yeah. It's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's yeah. a motif I've not considered, but yeah, I'm sort of connecting the dots now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, no, you're very right. Uh, the way that film deals with love and um, and yeah, uh, relationships with family yeah, definitely ties in with uh, with one fine morning. Let uh, maybe perhaps to a, a more s- subtle extent than the other two, three films that we've discussed. But yes, yeah, definitely got its place in there. I can see where the, that connection was made. Yeah, and it's also just an excuse to talk about it because oh, mate, it's, a, it's, a, it's yeah. a real beauty of a movie, and can't get enough of it. I have to watch that film at least once a year, sometimes twice. Because it's just ah. such a special movie. That's my uh, only Criterion Blu-ray. Ah, well, you, it's a good more. place to start. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Lovely cover. Oh, uh, beautiful. Yeah. Have you got it? I, I do. Yes. Yeah. Looking yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. at my shelf now for those who can't. <laughs> Most of you listening have been to my house, so we get people that haven't listened. So you can imagine me looking lovingly at my shelf. Yeah. <laughs> my partner has a go at me quite a lot, quite a lot for that. Georgia, she's always going. looking at your Blu-ray shelf. <laughs> Trying to ask me about, like, you know, what bowls to get from Matalan. And I'm like, going, yeah. It's pathetic, isn't it? No. I'm, the, I'm fucking, you know, just yeah. as bad. So I reckon we can double team this next one. Oh, yeah. Eternal <laughs> uh, Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think it's important to bring that film up in the context of particularly human messiness, love mm. and relationships, because yeah. Kaufman's screenplay... And, and Gondry's direction and the resulting performances from Kate Winslet and Jim Carrey uh, sort of like take a blender to those themes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just sort of oh jar God. them up into this almost indecipherable discordant mix of memory and emotion yeah. 
and the physical responses to those emotions. The way the film distills those emotional and physical responses Mm. and releases them throughout is just a, I think, nothing short of genius really i mean the use of the word genius is is something i try and refrain from because it's you know perhaps overused but here it's absolutely deserved best best uh gondry film in my opinion yeah 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 and it's easily i mean picking a favorite kaufman screenplay for me would be like i mean i don't have kids but picking a favorite child oh (laughs) man yeah (laughs) you know because i just think he's probably the one of if not the best american screenwriter Mm. ever yeah man Um, he's certainly up there I think what ties it in a little bit to, um, I mean, this might be, uh, again, a stretch, got to stab in the dark a little bit, but what ties into slightly One Fine Morning is the way it sort of treats the idea of forgetting, so and how important forgetting can be. And there's Mm. a scene in One Fine Morning where he, her father, who's suffering from uh, quite a rare disease, one of which memory loss is kind of Mm. associated with, him remembering things is actually quite kind of causes him to get quite anxious mm, mm. and so you kind of in that moment when i watched that moment i remember thinking oh you got to stop thinking about it then like the mm. only way is to forget unfortunately if you want to be comfortable you have to forget and this film eternal sunshine of the spotless mind kind of i mean the, the whole conceit of it is you know if you were bo- if you were to boil it down to one line it would be if you were in a relationship that turns sour and you started remembering the good times. Like, is that a healthy thing? And in this mm. case, it does work because they reconcile and they start mm. their relationship up again. But I always got the impression that it was doomed again. Yeah. You know? There is that suggested element, isn't there? And I really like that yeah. point you're saying about sometimes it's better to forget. I think you could expand on that a little bit and talk about how as much as it is better to forget, it's almost impossible to forget. Oh, man, yeah. Because completely. those formative, not necessarily formative, but those... Well, yeah, I would say probably formative moments yeah. in your life with that you share with other people, both good and bad, are the things that are going to stay with you. Mm. And they're going to create those wounds that are going to, sometimes they're going to pop open in your mind. Yeah. And again, the idea of, obviously memories are really, really important, but it's it's the response from those memories that is so central to this film. Mm, yeah. You know, because obviously the, the whole conceit of the film is this device that can remove memories. Yeah. So which is particularly useful for both of the lead characters in this film is they're a couple that are separated from each other. Yeah, yeah. But what, the, but what this device can't do, so it can remove the memories, what it can't do is remove the emotions and impulses that come with those memories. Yes. And those feelings that come with those memories. Yeah, yeah. So it sort of speaks a lot to that idea that, 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 that how the mem- how memories loom over you, not mm. just as things that you, rec- you, you think about in that sort of weird time when you're lying in bed and, oh god, and you just to get, get something you're sleep. Like, oh yeah, yeah. god you know and that sort of anxiety those pangs you know yeah. you think I'm, oh god why did uh, I say that thing when I was 12 or 14 <laughs> yeah, in, yeah, in my yeah. drama class or something yeah, yeah. yeah if I had I'd done it do it all differently if I had yeah. you know, the knowledge now that kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but obviously that's going to happen but it's also it sculpts your emotional reactions sometimes without you even even thinking about the memory Oh man, yeah. So completely. you can respond to something that's virtually identical or even different mm. to the memory that this response is is associated mm. with, but yeah. you might not even have any no be able to connect the dots until reflection or if at all. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what the film does so brilliantly is about that and that discordant narrative structure really plays to the idea that that you know that, that memories are fragmented and 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 choppy and we sometimes take the bits we like the best yeah. because it makes us feel better and, it, and, and it's a good self-defense mechanism yeah, yeah. But those really hard memories and the times that we ourselves are arbiters of 
someone else's pain or our own pain. And, yeah. You know, as much as we want to forget them, they're going to be there. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit. The, the bit that really strikes me is the bit where she whispers to him, right, right. The the last ever memory he has before it disappears. Mm. He whis- She whispers to him, like, "Meet me in Montauk," and he does. Right, uh, and I guess that is kind of an illustration of it's not a memory that brings him back there. It's an emotion. It's like a kind of. Uh, an instinct mm. so uh and weirdly it reminds me of that bit of memento where he's like sammy's sammy jenkins and you, you gotta see memento i'm sure oh yeah, yeah. fuck it gotta see memento <laughs> turn it off don't yeah <laughs> and he you know there's, he's doing all these tests with him and he's like i wanted to see if uh if he could because he's like picking up all these blocks and one of them's electrified he's like i wanted to see if he wouldn't if he would remember which one is electrified, not through memory, but through instinct. Mm. <laughs> and again, yeah, there's, it's just a, yeah, another an excuse to talk about Memento. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just I love that idea that uh, memory can be triggered by emotion. Mm. Yeah, and uh, and yeah. it's those emotions that sculpt who you are now and sculpt mm. your, as we said earlier, the you know sculpt your attitudes and future relationships or situations. Yeah, yeah love another wonderful movie. I think that's one of those films. I mean, I think Kaufman at that point was on a bit of a roll, wasn't he? I think his yeah, that was when he sort of broke into. I'm sort of used to the word mainstream. We say it a lot. Perhaps we throw it around a little bit too much, but I think that's you know, for lack of a better term, that's when he was perhaps at mm. his height because yeah. Since then, he struggled to get that appeal, which yeah. is fucking heartbreaking for me. I'm sure tricky. for yourself. Yeah, man. Yeah, well, there's. Um, what did he do after that? He did Synecdoche, New York, right? Um, what film that is. Yeah, and then uh, I, did, I didn't mind. Um, I, I'm thinking of any things too much either. I know mm. we've talked. Mm. Excuse me, we've talked about Kaufman a little bit in the previous episode. But uh, yeah, there's been a bit of a, a gradual uh, slowdown. Mm. On, on his appeal which is a real shame because I think he's got a lot more in him actually oh 100% yeah, yeah. I think he's yeah that brain of his is just there's so much gold in there fascinating yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sort of oversimplifying him really um, but yeah uh, great writer great director in this case writer of course of the Eternal Sunshine mm. um, but you know his uh, personality his anxieties his observations shine in this film and I think that's something, just sticking with him again for a little bit longer. Yeah, of course, yeah. What I find really great about his films is that um, he always finds the right directors yes, to, to yeah. sort of carry his vision. Mm. It's like directors who whose visual stylings or the way they approach films is almost in line with his screenplays. Yeah, they're always um, quite irreverent, aren't they? The filmmakers, yeah. like got Spike Jonze and then Michelle Gondry. And yeah, stuff. yeah. Michelle Gondry, the way he makes his films is so insanely creative. And it, it did just complement the script screenplay so much you know if they got like I don't know Mark Forstraw to direct it or something it would be <laughs> shit honestly yeah, it yeah. would have been yeah, an yeah, absolute yeah. write off um, but yeah he knows how to pick him doesn't he yeah another, another film interestingly that uh, employed a usually uh, comic actor for more dramatic purposes mm. much like Punch Drunk Love and he's yeah. quite similar uh, he's different in a lot of ways but he's quite similar to uh, Adam Sandler's character in Punch Drunk Love in that he's very quiet, reserved and lonely and doesn't feel like he fits in. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a parallel I've not established in my mind, actually. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I think that's yeah, bizarre. Good. Yeah. Yes. Fab. Fab. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, it is fab. <laughs> you say fab ever. Strange. I know, yeah, yeah. Unless I want the ice lolly. Um, <laughs> fab. Fab. Mum! <laughs> fab! Fab, mum! <laughs> I haven't got any. Fuck off. 
Mia uh, Hansen Love. Yes. Um, so, uh, embarrassingly, a filmmaker that I'd only seen little bits and pieces of beforehand. So, mm. you know, I've been trying to delve into a couple of movies for the sake of the discussion. One thing that really stuck out to me over watching a few of her films over the last few days, she often addresses formative moments in people's lives, but never explicitly. Okay. Yeah. So, so a more traditional approach would, from a more conventional narrative, or a director or a writer with a more conventional approach to narrative, would meet these difficulties head on. So we have a lot of like films about relationships and stuff that the arguments are central. If you think about something like uh, Blue Valentine, for example. Yeah, oh God, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, again... I'm not shitting on Blue Valentine. I quite like it. But yeah, yeah. It, it it's pretty. It's unafraid to tackle the brutality of of, of a relationship. Yeah, through moments as well. There's like specific moments. I yeah, can, I imagine. I remember quite a lot of key scenes in that film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think obviously that speaks to the to the different stylings of different filmmakers and indeed you know different um, cultures behind those filmmakers. Mm. Yeah. In the case of Hanson Love, it seems to be more of a focus in the spaces in between. Okay. These formative yeah, moments, yeah, and how these experiences sort of shape the way they interact with future difficulties, complexities, mm. um, and it was particularly apparent for me in um, Goodbye First Love, a film she made in two thousand eleven, which is about a teenage romance. Yeah, okay, um, and um, not seen it myself actually. But, it's uh... it's good. I mean, I, I just watched it yesterday actually. At first, I was quite cold to it compared to other movies, but it's one of those films that. You sort of reflect on it for a long time, and you come out thinking, "Oh, that was actually that was actually great." Yeah, yeah. Um, which I kind of like, sort of love that process. Oh man, I love yeah. that process of sort of thinking, "No, no, the Danny of an hour ago was completely fucking wrong." Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I really like that. Um, it happened to me with Burn after reading. Oh yeah, I thought it was awful, and then I got out of the cinema, and I'm like, "I want to watch that again." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's strange. Sorry, go on. No, no, no. So you know, this t- teenage couple. Yeah, and um, it's just this romance, classic sort of teen romance. The, right. the, the guy's a bit older; he's at university, mm. uh, whereas the girl's a bit younger and she's still at school. Okay. So, but I think the contents of, of the French perspective that is probably more acceptable than it would be in England. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to make sweeping statements. No, uh, no, for any yeah. of our French listeners, but I assume there's a I think, bit more of a liberal approach to stuff like that. I guess it depends on how the film handles that, yeah. if at all. If it doesn't acknowledge it that much, then, I mean, the film's clearly about something else, and yeah. why does it matter? I mean, if, if she was 12, like, fucking hell, okay, that's yeah. a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I yeah, imagine yeah. she's, like, at least emotionally mature enough. Well, the, the, the interesting thing is it's about this relationship and about the intensity of a teenage romance okay, uh, and how these two people aren't really fully formed enough mm. to commit to... The, to, to, to a romance oh mate okay. so, so yeah. which is I think a very common theme for all of us I think oh, we've God. all had teenage romances Completely. either with people or from afar yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know we've all felt these intense feelings and what the film does really well is that the boy's a bit aloof he clearly cares about her but he's obviously very much headstrong about what he wants to do right yeah. and there's this trip you talk about this idea you were saying before about romances that are doomed to to, to, yes. to sort of end yeah um he goes on a uh holiday well not holiday he goes traveling sorry to to south america and it breaks her heart and, if, oh, you, know, and yeah. you know she ends up sort of obsessing over him and then he sort of sends her letters and eventually sort of says look this isn't healthy mm. i'm sort of taking away the the sort of beautiful 
dialogue, the beautifully French dialogue, oh, no, by no, no. paraphrasing it, <laughs> uh, what he says. But yeah, he's just like, yeah, sack it off, love. <laughs> it's nothing like that. Um, South America's nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bit hot. Yeah. <laughs> it's about her then, her journey and her growth. Right. Not okay. only does she grow away from that relationship, but the relationship is like an anchor point for her as a person and how it sort of informs her approach to romance, both intimate intimacy mm. and love relationships oh man okay um, yeah yeah and she like goes to university she ch- I'm sort of spoiling the whole film here I won't I won't give too much more away but she studies to be an architect and she ends up getting a relationship with someone else but then this guy comes back into her life oh right okay and it's about how all of these this cocktail of like really potent emotions that sculpted a lot of your attitudes now mm. come back oh wow oh, so okay. it's really interesting and again it's about the spaces in between yes and even when the film confronts you with the the sort of the disagreements and the arguments but shared between the couple. It's never sort of explosive. Yeah. In a okay. way that again we talk about Sam France's um Blue Valentine yes. or, or I'm thinking note the notebook. Right. The, these yeah, are perhaps yeah. sort of you know Big sweeping moments. Yeah, right. yeah. And again I'm not so criticizing them for that, but the spaces in between are really important because they show that development, they show that growth of the person, but they also show how those wounds are still present within that person. Yeah. And it's okay. really interesting. I think it's a, a really interesting film to sort of segue into One Fine Morning because it's very similar. The way that she handles the sort of emotional depth without ever really dr- addressing directly or head on the inciting incidents that generate the emotion. Yeah. Within other films. That's a lot more true to real life as well. Mm. Uh, that's what I mean. You, this has been said on the podcast and, you know, previously, but like, yeah, life isn't about big moments necessarily it's about a slow eking of that i mean if i'm thinking about my first ever relationship yeah i can i can't pinpoint a, a time in which i knew it was doomed because <laughs> it wasn't like that it was it was basically the a lot like the film like i, I went off to university <laughs> that's all yeah. that happened yeah and i always thought like looking back on it i always i kind of thought like i'm glad i'm really glad it happened because it enabled me to to kind of develop and and have a deeper understanding about like how you navigate love and relationships mm. and stuff like that. And yeah, I'm forever grateful for it. Mm. But I would, I would, I can never, I never pinpoint a time in which the that feeling started. It was gradual. It was like a graph. Mm. That's <laughs> um, interesting, isn't it? Because people they either view those teen teenage relationships, they they have that ability to to look at them and think, well, I was very young then. I wasn't the person I am now. Yeah they can sort of look at it with a sense of wistfulness, but also sort of shake their head and go, oh, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that was a bit, you know. Without it, though. Yeah, you, yeah. You probably exactly. wouldn't be the person the, you are now. Exactly. Yeah. And they're also, again, as you say, there are people that it really anchors in them and, they, and it, it's a really big part of who they are or indeed yeah. it sculpts a lot of how they interact with the world moving forward. Completely. Yeah. So it's, yeah, interesting. One fine morning then, as I sort of alluded to in the intro, it's uh, it, it's quite a sort of, film that tackles a lot of really deep themes and ideas but i think the key theme that threads them all together i think is the many faces of vulnerability yeah okay how we make ourselves vulnerable when we bear ourselves to others in the pursuit of physical emotional connection okay yeah or how our carefully constructed facades crumble when besieged by grief yeah you know yeah yeah so there's the different stages of vulnerability that come with those different things yeah and the way that hands and love handles that i mean sadu deserves a huge amount of credit for that as well because the performance is fantastic yeah i don't know like i feel like that's where the film really hit me the most the idea of being vulnerable to people 
and the different faces of vulnerability, I think, yeah. is a real key theme. Mm. Oh, no, I agree. I feel like she's she's going through a lot, some positive things, and at least initially, but also a lot of uh, pretty pretty nasty, quite confrontational issues as well. But you can see different stages of that vulnerability, like when when she's with the this this chap. I can't remember his name. No, um, but. Uh, <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> she, she tends to kind of uh, wear her emotions on her sleeve a little bit more, as you do when you're with a loved one, um, or at least a loved one like who, who you feel like you can kind of share your thoughts and feelings with. And then there's a different vulnerability to her when she's with her family members and when she's kind of sorting her father's stuff out in the flat. And you can still tell it's there, again, thanks to her performance, but it is very, like... It's a lot more walled up, isn't it? And it's, it's a lot mm. more kind of the idea of sort of fretting alone, and it, you can kind of see that she's feeling it in her chest, not mm. in not like in on her face, right? Yeah, uh, at least yeah. that was my reading of it. No, yeah. that's interesting that it's sort of uh, subdued enough to be almost in the background of mm. the character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the character's name is Clement. Ah, oh, there we go. Uh, or Clement. Clement. I don't know. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry France. She's um, oh, what's she called? Fucking <laughs> hell, Sandra. Sandra, easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice English name. Yeah, no, it's, I think it's interesting. I, I particularly, when focusing on the theme of vulnerability, you're probably mm. going to hear the, that that word quite a lot now. No, no, yeah. The idea that you know she seeks a romantic, at least initially very physical relationship with mm. Clemel. Yeah. <laughs> um, who is himself already in a relationship? Yes. Yeah. And I think the idea that there's a vulnerability there in the sense that. She's making herself vulnerable to someone that is going to be predictable, yeah. unpredictable, sorry, on the basis that he's in a fucking relationship with someone else. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a very French thing to do in films, to deal with an extramarital affair. I yeah, feel like yeah. every French filmmaker has to do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what I particularly admire about it is that whilst the film doesn't necessarily shine him and bathe him in, in, in light mm. as a faultless human being, yeah. he's a human being as well that's capable of his own mistakes and errors. And yeah. the film sheds light on the reasons for the affair. So from her perspective, you know, she's a widow mm. uh, and she's, you know, lost all interest and love and intimacy. And this gentleman's presence rouses that out of her, brings it back. Yeah. And whatever he's lost in his relationship and his long-term relationship, you know, rouses in him. Yeah. But it creates a complexity, doesn't it? Because he's struggling to deal with the societal uh, or probably the social ramifications of infidelity. Oh, completely, yeah. And that ends up making him for the lack of a better term, a bit of a bastard to Leah Sidhu's character, in yeah, a way, because uh, yeah. he's playing with a woman's feelings who are fucking shot to bits, not only by the passing of a previous lover, mm. but also dealing with this situation with, you know, losing your, your father. Yeah, you know, yeah, And slowly. having to sort of paper over the cracks and take all of his memories and, mm. and, and sort of dole them out amongst people that doesn't don't even know him. Yeah, you know? yeah. So... That's what sort of I find really interesting about it is that idea that that uh, vulnerability can really put you in really risky and dangerous positions. Yeah, yeah. Um, and sometimes you don't necessarily see that these things are going to be worse for you in the long run. Mm. I mean, spoilers. It doesn't. It ends up being quite nice for her in it the does, end. Yes, which I think is good. <laughs> I feel because, like yeah, because the sensitivity and the nuance of her performance. Yeah, it makes you fucking just want happiness for her, even at the expense of some other woman who's yeah, lost, her, no. lost her husband of ten years. Very, very but, definitely the reason why we don't see her. I feel like yeah, 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 yeah. You, yeah, don't, yeah. Want, you don't want to become attached to this chap's wife. <laughs> no, um, well, it, would, it would throw it off, wouldn't it? Completely, yeah. yeah. And it would also make it too dramatic. And I think that lack of, like you were saying earlier, that the lack of uh, pivotal points 
in which there's an, an eruption or an explosion of emotion. Like it, it really does. Like to have that blowout argument between him and his wife would just be too much. I feel. Yeah, um, it would. It's, you're absolutely right. It would completely derail the film, wouldn't it? Yeah, man. And also the idea that not everyone's perfect. It's there were there were moments when I thought, oh, he's he's going to turn out to be horrendous. And yeah, that, that's yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. like a yeah. really. That's this is going to be a moment in this film in which you you realize like how could you? But it never happens, and you can and they end up together, and you end up thinking like, okay, well, shit. Well, sorry, spoilers. They end up together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, and you kind of think, well, okay, then he's not a complete twat. No, <laughs> he's not. Yes, he's played with their emotions, but that that's just a flaw of his. You know, that's yeah, something that he's not knowingly aside. doing, is it? I think no. he, I think he's prioritizing his own emotions. Oh, completely. Yeah, uh, yeah. which is a twatty thing to do. But I think it's in the context of this film that treats its characters with nuance. Mm. Uh, it makes sense because I think we can all attest to a time when we've done that. Again, yeah, yeah. doesn't justify the behaviour that results from that necessarily. No, no. But I think the film isn't offering justifications. It's exploring the messiness yes. that comes as a result of offering yourself to someone yeah, or surrendering. Yeah. To your desires or surrendering to your frustrations mm. and um i think that's part of the reason why the film does it so effectively yeah without necessarily um picking a side which i don't think again like you said is it's definitely not Mia hansen love star to do that yeah it's about that no. distant observation mm. because that generates the emotional connection to the themes and ideas of her films yeah, yeah. so yeah I, I completely agree with you i think it would it would ruin the movie if it would again deal with these things in an upfront manner Completely, yeah, yeah. I uh, I was quite sort of surprised by the lack of uh, dramatic moments. The last time that I can think of that that happened was After Sun, actually. Yeah. Um, the last yeah, film yeah. I watched where I was like, I don't know why that spoke to me so much because nothing. I can't pinpoint an exact time apart from maybe the, the last scene that it occurred. But somehow I'm invested. I'm not bored. Nope. Uh, I don't. I don't know how that's happened because on paper this sounds like a boring film. Yeah, <laughs> not being yeah. funny. I mean, maybe that's like very slightly reductive of me to say that. But um, uh, yeah, I don't know how she got it financed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's probably previous work, maybe. Yeah, you know? French. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was. I sort of joked to you afterwards, didn't I? Like when I watch a French film, it just makes me think. Oh, God, they're just so naturally predisposed to be cultured. Yes. And, yeah. You know, yeah. and interested in things that. For me, like you know, you go every French house has got piles of books everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's just the way that the films. Again, we talked about this how like films sort of create an idea of a culture in your mind. But yeah, yeah. in every fucking French film I've ever seen, every person's house, yeah. even some person that like works a post office. <laughs> yeah. you know, not that people who work at post offices can't be sort of philosophers. <laughs> well, but, read, yeah. but yeah, you go, you go back to their house and there's just fucking piles of books everywhere and obscure art posters on the wall. And I think fucking hell, yeah, like, yeah. We're, we're literally not that far away from them and they're just so they seem so much more culturally advanced completely yeah, yeah no i i don't know why that that is maybe uh but yeah no it's um less kebab shops maybe yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> more wine and less beer i guess yeah I yeah maybe yeah again yeah that's uh just <laughs> a tangent we're shitting on our own beautiful pastures yes um, carling yeah. carling a carling bathed pastures <laughs> no I, I yeah I agree I, th- I also think the way the film deals with mortality is yeah excellent very good and you talk about the idea you mentioned that already the responsibility mm. that you that family can sometimes put on you very explicitly yeah and in this situation he has a sort of a, a disease that 
you know, is just degrading his whole body, isn't it? Sort of yeah. rotting him. He's just essentially a human being that's rotting away. Yeah. A person that was before, by the by all accounts, judging by the way that they sort of add backstory through the interactions of other characters or indeed his house, is mm. someone that's a larger-than-life character, a sort of professor of philosophy. Yeah. So his life has been about thinking. His job yeah. is about thinking yeah. deeply about the profound questions. And I think the way the film handles those profound questions is really brilliant because on the one hand there's this obviously this clearly very intellectual approach to mm. ideas of mortality and and the decay of the mind and yeah she sort of embeds the that sort of philosophical musing within the characters in a way that gives it sort of an earthy lived in nature yeah yeah so yeah. it doesn't feel like too french if you know no, what i mean yeah, yeah. Film going what is life yeah. kafka said you know <laughs> i mean that's all good don't be wrong i love that shit i yeah, love it yeah. but it's like the film does both of mm. those things in a way and they don't clash with each other. No, no. And I don't know how she did that in a narrative that's so subdued. Yeah, no. It's, it's yeah. brilliant. Um, it just, uh, yeah, the, the way that it kind of slowly reveals to you what really what he's going through and, mm. and how upsetting it must be to him to, you know, it's the equivalent of, you know, one. How about one day, every day, one of these Blu-rays goes, right? <laughs> and at the end of it, don't there's no it. Blu-rays left. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, that that's that's a stupid. That's a, a weird. <laughs> I really, quite like the attempt there. Comparison, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, just, you know, you're yeah. losing a part of yourself, isn't it? that's what you're saying? You're yeah, losing a part of yeah. your passions, the people that give your life meaning. Yeah, they're fading away. Yeah. It's quite, it is quite sad and quite tough to watch and quite unique in the way it's presented as well. And mm. it, it helps that there's no like scene that he kind of breaks down in tears and go mm. like, what's happening to me? Mm. You know, there's none of that because that would have been a really hammy way of explaining mm. how upset he is. And it's more, you know, he kind of gets ferried across Paris, doesn't he, to various mm. nursing homes before they find one that suits him that isn't too expensive. And yeah, yeah. It, it's more... Uh, there's a weird routine to it all in which like the family kind of isn't you know that they're they're expressing emotion not through being overtly upset but just by being absolutely exhausted you can tell yeah, they're yeah. just so ground down by this that's not to say that, that there's not love there no no there but is, like, like if you're ground down and you know and another thing i find quite interesting about the film is the way or the portrayal of of this sort of degenerative uh, neurological condition is that the father attributes a lot of uh, gratitude to people that aren't always there. Yes, so that's right. so yeah. you know, Leah Sidhu's character. I've forgotten the name already. <laughs> oh, Sandra. Sandra, thank yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sandra. <laughs> uh, no, Sandra is, you know, she is present in his life and helping him through these this difficulty as best she can. And he never really explicitly thanks her for it. Yeah, and yeah. he obviously he can't because his brain's not in that space to be able to do that. No, but yeah. It affects her. Yeah. You know, it affects her that she's not getting any of the acknowledgement from, yeah. not really even from family. No, no. That she, I mean, it's obviously, you know, the film doesn't necessarily explicitly say the rest of the family are disinterested because they're obviously not. They're obviously as helpful as they can be. Yeah, but yeah. By focusing on Leia Sidhu's character, there's that suggestion that she's the one that really does a lot of the heavy lifting and isn't getting mm. a great deal of acknowledgement for that. Yeah, and, no. you know, and we'd all like to be those people that aren't motivated by acknowledgement or yeah. or not necessarily motivated, but, you know, some of our anxieties and fears are alleviated by that acknowledgement. Yeah, um, I think so. But I think we are. <laughs> we yeah, are like that, no, you know, yeah. and I think she plays that. And, of course, the, he plays that brilliantly as well. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, really um, interesting. Yeah, just a, a very um, eye-opening and kind of touching way of looking at a situation like that. And mm, uh, mm. and yeah, very and, and no, again, no one's a villain, really, is are they? No. Uh, he's not a villain. You feel acutely sorry for him, whereas at the same time, you can kind of feel that frustration that she feels by yeah. him, him like basically. Th- Thanking his sort of live-in partner, you know, his carer, who yeah. sort of is suggested there's a bit more going on there, yeah. which was a weird scene, but That's it sort of bizarre. worked. Yeah, it was strange. Mm. Yeah, yeah, great movie, really. very very good, highly recommended. Yeah, I feel like Cineboys recommend definitely. Yeah, stamp yeah. of approval. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe like I don't know. It's, it's quite clear. It's quite difficult to to sell it. I, like if someone came out to me and say like sell this film to me, like what's it about? Like mm. it'd be quite hard to get them to understand that it's quite a beneficial watch. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, you're right. But I think we need to get used to this idea. I'm getting a bit wanky, probably come across a bit wanky here, but you know, not all films are going to be marketable to you. No, no, yeah, And exactly. I think if you open yourself up to experiences that aren't marketable to you, you might find oh, something. You find gems, yeah, you find gems and films that might make you think more deeply about yourself and the way you think about the world and others and mm. blah, 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 <laughs> you know. But you know, it, it's yeah, it's a film that you should check out. Um obviously you're entitled to dislike it. I'm not going to think less of you if you do. No, but if you yeah. do, you, I you're you're a prick. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, um, it's time for wind turbine research, Dan. Yes. Any wind turbines in this film? Uh there is no wind turbines in this film. I don't think there's many in Paris in general. I did look it up. It doesn't look like there's many. It's in the teens. Unbelievable. Uh, yes, yeah, so uh, the largest wind turbine in the world is in Hawaii, USA. It stands 20 stories tall, and each blade is the length of a football field. There we go. Fucking hell, that. that is big. It is quite big, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 90 yards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. Sorry, I had to... <laughs> no, no, no. It's essential now. It's got to sure be done. It sure is, yeah. <laughs> well, on that... Yes. Outro. Outro. Questing the cinematic so there we have it's weird me saying it so yeah, there we have it, it then yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, one fine morning uh, Mia Hansen love interested to see what she does next I'll be checking out her next work as well yes uh, and again we're not endorsed by Mubi but uh, I would say that I think there's about four or five of the other films on Mubi ah there you go including the film she did last year Bergman Island which I haven't seen but it's on the watch list for this weekend. That sounds fascinating. That <laughs> film. That I, I was li- looking at me and Hanson Love on Wikipedia instead of like going to sleep. It's like half one in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, yeah. That sounds amazing. That's her first English language film, isn't it? I believe so. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I should give so, that a go. Yeah, all available on Movie. Check her out. So next week, Blake exploitation. Yes, we, we think. think. We think so. We think so. Yeah. We've sort of kept teasing this. It's a term i think we mentioned before coined by dear cinder boy alfie who yeah. um hopefully or definitely sorry will be on mm. to discuss that we really want to get to the nucleus of the popularity of these sort of blokey lads yeah. footy violence stand <laughs> yeah. up and fight you motherfucker yeah, yeah, yeah. you know really unique brand of film yeah i don't yeah. know why so many of them got nuts made. magazine approved yeah, yeah. sweaty weird <laughs> movies but an appeal, a, a real appeal for a, a, a quite a large 
a large <laughs> period of our lives. Yeah, it de- definitely. Lots of people I knew were like, oh, we've seen Football Factory. Yeah. It's well brutal, mate. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, great, yeah. I've seen Kidulthood, mate. Oh, oh God, yeah, Kidulthood. Yeah. Fucking hell, that's a blast. Yeah, man. Like, there oh, was a, my God. That got passed around the playground, I swear yeah, to God. Yeah, yeah. It was like, well, like a DVD that was just like, mate, watch this. It's great. There's always got to be a sex scene by some bins. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. seem to remember. Yeah. Is there one like that in Kidulthood? I don't know, probably. I think so, yeah. There's definitely a teenage pregnancy in it, anyway. Ah, um, yeah, I think, yeah, these films are often, like, I remember in my local HMV, there was a big section of, like, boys' movies, so, like, men, <laughs> movies for men, right? And you had, like, fucking, yeah, all of that lot in there. Yeah. But then always, um, in amongst it all, would be Fight Club, and that would really annoy me. Uh, so, like, you have missed the point of Fight You've entirely yeah, missed yeah. the point of Fight Club. And I think there's a lot of the, mod- just as a ridiculously lo- ridiculous segue, yeah, but yeah. Uh, a lot of the lasting appeal of Fight Club has come from that misinterpretation, I think. Yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll discuss this more uh, at some point, either yeah. next week or very very soon, if not, anyway. Indeed. Yeah. So, bloke exploitation, mm. lads, breasts, footballs, guns, stand up and fight. <laughs> uh, look forward to that. Yes. From three men that have barely seen any breasts or done much fighting. No, actually. no, yeah. So uh, <laughs> look forward to that. Uh, if not, if that doesn't happen, on the off chance it doesn't that doesn't transpire, you have to deal with what we give you. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. be a surprise. Indeed. Mm. So uh, in the meantime, have a lovely week. Yes. And we'll uh, be in your ears for the next one. Yes, see you then. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye.